Hello and welcome to Inspired Mind Podcast. As you connect with our content, we hope that you'll be inspired to grow and develop a better you. Please be encouraged to share this with others. Happy growing. Today we, we're going to be going to the part two. Um, for this season, we have um, a particular series known as the Spiritual Discipline. And um, the series of the season is known as Spiritual Discipline. And one of the things... Um, that we love about this series is the fact that we have set aside intentionally 10 days, the 10th first day of May. If In case you have not, you've not been fasting, you better join now. Um, we have about two days or so to go, and it's been wonderful. We pray every morning from 6 a.m. to 6.30 a.m., um, and everybody is just doing this at your pace. Just with taking this first 10 days of the month to just seek the face of God. Um, it's a spiritual discipline month for us. We want to learn everything that is important for our faith and for us to be able to do life and, and to be able to connect with our, our Father in heaven. And so um, we, we started with fasting um, as a teaching. We have a little clip on that. You can go on our YouTube channel or go on the mobile app and just listen to that message on fasting, the fundamentals, the nugget on how you should fast. Um, but today we're going to be diving straight to part two, and we're going to be talking about the discipline of prayer. I'm sure you heard me right, the discipline of prayer. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Um, you know, when, first of all, I, I like to always try, I like to break down words so, so we, don't, we don't miss the keys. Um, let's, break, let's break it down a little bit, the discipline of prayer. The first thing you want to ask yourself is, what is discipline? Um, what does it mean when you say discipline? Um, when you say something, when you, when, you, when, you, when you say that someone is disciplined in a particular area, that means that that person um, has conducted their life in a way that they are able to obey certain rules and regulations um, for them to be able to achieve something. When you say an athlete is disciplined, you're saying that the athlete does everything according to the rules, you know, to be able to get better in what they do. So when we say discipline or prayer, we're just looking at, those things that is expected of us to understand and to be able to do so that our prayer life will be solid. Uh, and, and, and I know that the Lord is going to touch us in a very um, strange way today. Now, I, I love to read about Bible characters and most of you that already know me, I say this all the time. Sometimes I just pick a character in the Bible and I just study on them. I could just pick Daniel for a whole month and just be reading on Daniel. And one thing that I've noticed about Every great man of God, those that God has used mightily in the Bible, and the ones that God is still using now in our present time, prayer is always a big key in the equation of their sources. We are supposed to pray. Prayer is one of the spiritual disciplines that we need in our life if we must succeed in our faith journey. Um, and a lot of times, some of us come very default. You know, we, 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 nobody, none of us can actually say that we, we went through a class to learn how to pray, um, or we took a course on how to pray. Um, we just started praying. We just got born again and boom, we just started praying. We watched the way someone is praying and we just pray like them. Um, but prayer is such, is such a design that even the disciples had to ask Christ to teach them how to pray. So oftentimes, Prayer is a discipline because there are certain rules, there are certain expectations that comes with prayer that we are, we are supposed to learn as believers. And we're going to look at 
a lot of things that is necessary when we pray. So in other words, when you pray, what are the most important things? I'm going to be reading from the book of Matthew 6, verse 5 to 7. Um, you can open your Bible with me and let's just jump, dive in straight together. Um, I'll be reading from the book, um, from the New Living Translation. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Now, Jesus is setting the rules. He's setting the standard, the expectations here. He said, I tell you the truth. That is all the reward that we ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. And, and verse 7 said, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Um, I mean, the, the summary or the, the, the little um, nugget that we can extract from that scripture is the fact that there are certain expectations and certain rules that guide effective prayers. And that's why we all need to have that understanding. Why don't we just go ahead and just pray? Father in heaven, we are so grateful and we come before you today. This is one of the most important moments for us. We, we, we just want to use this moment to sit at the feet of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I surrender myself to be used by you so that, Lord, you can use me and, 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 and put out your word into the life of your children, oh God, using me as a vessel. Uh, Father, Lord, I pray that every word that I will speak today will be edifying. Every word that I will speak today will be refreshing. Every word that I will speak today will, will be reviving. Every word that I will speak today, Lord, will be transforming in the life of your children. And ultimately, Lord, at the end of it all, we just want our life to bring glory to your name. Thank you, precious Jesus. In Jesus' most mighty name we pray. Amen. You know, so if you look at that scripture, um, I like to do a little bit of teaching today. So just pardon me. Um, teaching is something I enjoy to do. And so let's just... I'm bringing every one of you into the class of prayer, into the classroom of prayer. And I want you to bring out your notes and just take down notes and jot down something that you can retain after now because it's going to help you a great deal. Amen. If you look at the scripture in Matthew 5, um, 6, 5 to 7, um, for, the, for convenience, I'm breaking it down um, into three things that are relevant um, to us to know about prayers. Um, that's the fact that uh, our prayers comes with a design. In other words, there is a purpose. There's a big idea behind prayer. Uh, prayer comes, there's a direction and there's an instruction and guidelines on how, um, what is relevant and how we should do stuff in prayer. And there's also a digression in prayer. There are certain things that it should be a no-no to us when we pray. So why don't we just go ahead and just first of all look at the design of prayer. What are the purpose of prayers? Um, the first thing that we need to understand about prayer is that prayer speaks to an art of communication with God. I, I always like to make it so simple, um, like I would teach my, my, uh, my eight-year-old girl or, uh, or, or about prayer. I would just simply say prayer is just a form of communication. And there's something we need to understand when we see prayer in that light. Um, it's not a dialogue, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, um, it's not a monologue, it's, it's a dialogue. In other words, uh, prayer involves speaking and listening. 
So we need to understand the whole design about prayer. The first thing we need to understand is that prayer is a form of com- is a communication with God. You know, God speaks to us through his words and through the Holy Spirit. Why we speak back to God verbally through our words when we pray. That's one thing that is important for us to understand. And also, we need to also understand that prayer does something to God. I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about what prayer does to God and what prayer does to you. Um, to God, prayer, um, prayer shows God um, the level of your seriousness and your commitment to Him. It shows the level of your love and attachment to God. And also, prayer draws Him to accountability. In other words, uh, prayer is a way that places demand on God's integrity. You know, when you pray the will of God, it's like you are putting a demand on God to act on his promises. These are some of the things that prayer does to God. So, so prayer pulls God. And Father, you know, you said in your word that this is this, that if I do this, if I do this, that you will hear me from heaven. And God says, yes, I said it, of course. Why not? So it, brings, it, de- it places demand on God for his integrity's sake. And um, uh, prophets of the old, people like Samuel, understood the relevance of God's integrity. And that's one of the things. I remember um, a long time ago, now my kids are a little grown up, they don't do it anymore. Uh, my, my, my senior boy then, every time he comes to meet me, he will, he will force me to make a promise. <laughs> Smart kid. He will tell me, Dad, are you going to take us to so-so and so place, or are you going to buy me this? That just even if you don't have it now, just tell me, you just say, you know, sometimes like we all do as parents, you want the boy to leave you so you can concentrate on what is important to your life. And so you just, you just say the promise. That's what parents do. You just promise, even if you don't mean it. But guess what? My son is going to come back to you like five days after, and he's going to tell you that you promised. That when you not say you can't do it, he will say, but you promised. In other words, are, are you, daddy, are you really going to break your promise? Sometimes, if I feel so bad as a, as a human that I promised my son and I want to keep it, can you imagine how a super God, a loving father, a God of integrity feels when you bring back his own words to him? Prayer, what prayer does to you? And one of the things I want us to understand is when we're looking at prayer, apart from looking at it as communication, prayer is also an invitation into a relationship. One of the big ideas behind prayer, I always tell people, is that God is using prayer to invite you into a relationship. Come talk to me. Come talk to me. Have com- just have some conversation with me. That's what the essence is. And what does prayer do to you? Praise the Lord. One of the things that prayer does to you is that prayer brings you into a place of submission. I'm, 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 I'm trying to quickly look at the big ideas behind prayer, the purpose of prayer. Prayer brings you into a place of submission, place of humility, place of dependence. With prayers, you are saying that, God, I cannot do it without you. Prayer is, a, is, is a, you, when you come before God with your request, with your life, with, your, with, your, with the things that... That, that are troubling you, even when you think you can do it within your strength. But you're coming before the Lord and, and saying, Lord, I just want to invite you into the affairs of my life. It's a place of dependence. It's a place of submission. I like to read John 15 verse 5. And um, 
John 15 verse 12, I say, yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord. So in compliance to this words in this instruction we are saying that you know what i need god in my life i need to bring god into every affairs of my life that's what prayer does to you you know there are conditional and unconditional will of god now the unconditional will of god manifests in life whether you pray or not like god didn't need your prayer to make abraham the father of nations God didn't need your prayer, you know, to, to choose the children of Israel as his own choosing, even though he created the world. So the, will, the unconditional will of God will manifest whether we pray or not. But there are some conditional will of God that demands that we pray for it to manifest. There are conditional wills. If you do this, if you call upon me, if you cry unto me, it's not like God is not conscious or he's not aware of our troubles. But there's still a reason why he says that we should call upon him. These are some of the things that we need to remember. Praise the Lord. And lastly, we also want to realize that um, um, through prayers, we touch heaven while we are still on earth. That's the connection that we have with divine. Oh, it's like inviting divinity to come and intervene on humanity, on the affairs of humanity. This is one of the things that happens. This is the big design about prayer. And a lot of time, one of the things that also we need to understand as we study the discipline of prayer is certain elements like the direction that we are meant to follow when we pray. A lot of people struggle with the issue of time. Some people will be wondering, what time is best to pray? Is it in the morning? Is it in the afternoon? Is it in the evening? Now, the funny thing about that is, if you ask me, I will tell you that there is no time that you will call upon heaven. And, um, and, and heaven will give you, you hear a voice message that uh, you have reached heaven in the off, off working time or after work hours. There is nothing like that when it comes to heaven. You can pray to God at any time. But the only, one of the only things that we have come to learn about the issue of time, uh, and one of the reasons why I choose a particular time that I pray, is what we can see from the book of Mark 1.35. I'm going to quickly take you there. Um, Jesus is always our example in everything. And in that book, the Bible says, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up. And went out to an isolated place to pray. So if you look at that, Mark 135, it talks about Jesus' prayer life as regards to the timing and the location. So I personally, because I love to I love to pray in the mornings. I know a lot of people will say they can pray anytime in the day. Yeah, it depends on your level of concentration. The, re the reason why I love to pray in the morning is because there is so much silence, everywhere is calm. Uh, there's no distraction. I, nobody's calling me on business issues. I don't, I don't have to be bothered about kids running here and there when I'm praying. So I'm able to focus and just concentrate on God alone. So usually, uh, for me, between 5 and 
and five and six. Some days I even wake up as early as four just to settle down and dedicate the best part of my day to God, which is the early morning. And my Jesus did it. But I mean, if the time that you, you, you have used to communicating with the Lord is in the evenings, that's fine. See, the most important thing is not the particular time that you plug in. It's your level of connectivity with the Father. Some people can be walking in the streets in the afternoon and they can pull over and just sit in their car and just connect with heaven. It's possible. What's it, what is it in your case? It's important for us to be able to know this. Amen. And, and, and also, a lot of people are concerned about the issue of the length. The length. How long should my prayer be? You know, that becomes a concern to some people. And it is important for us to be able to address this as we look into the discipline of prayers. You know, what is the length? What is the length of prayer for me? You know, a lot of people, some, some people, I've, I've seen someone who told me that, you know, Pastor, I see a lot of people pray for one hour, people pray for two hours. I, I, I can't pray that long. Does it mean that I'm not born again? I said, no, it doesn't mean that you're not born again. Let me borrow um, an illustration that my wife used in one of our last messages. She talked about um, the relationship and how communication grows as relationship grows. Um, uh, she used our case as an example. When we newly got married, as a matter of fact, even while we were preparing to get married, um, you know, while we were doing courtship, my wife would hardly speak. But she didn't say, she didn't tell you that part of the story that she would hardly speak. She wouldn't even say a word. I've always talked anyway. But even then, I don't have much to say to her. She doesn't have much to say. She's very quiet. She's, she's more on the quiet side. You know, but the case is different today. Now, my wife, when she starts talking now, in my heart, I'll say, oh, Jesus. When is this going to be over? She has so much to say. She has so much to share. Let me say she's more comfortable. Let me say she's more into, into me. She's, she's, she's more used to me. This is exactly how it happens when you, your relationship, as your relationship begins to grow with God. Now, sometimes me, my wife and I were in two different parts of the state. And she's walking somewhere, I'm walking somewhere, and we get on the phone together. And trust me, the phone is, is on. And sometimes for like 30 minutes, we're not talking. And um, after another 30 minutes, she'll say, are you there? I'll say, I'm there. Are you there? She'll say, yeah, she's there as well. For like three hours or more, our phone is engaged. Do you know why? Because of the relationship that has been built over time. And so when you're bothered about timing and the length of your prayer life, I think the most important thing that you should be bothered about is the level of the growth of your relationship with God. The closer you get to God, the deeper, the more intimate you are with God, the more you have to say to Him. The more you are rejoicing every time you are in His presence. The more you have so much to discuss with God. Lord, I could hardly wait to tell you this. You're not going to believe what happened yesterday. I, a friend of mine that came and that was trusting you and I prayed with him or with her. I, you can't, Lord, thank you. There's a testimony already. You have so much to share with God. You have prayers of other people that have come to you. You have that to put before God as a petition. So the length is not what you should be bothering about. 
a lot of people also talk about the frequency. Like I always say, it's all a function of relationship. The frequency is a function of relationship. Apart from the early morning prayers that I usually do, I tell you what, all through the day, I find myself most of the time still praying somehow. Because I, I, it's, it's like missing God for a minute. It's like I just drove away from my house uh, with my wife at home. We just, I just left the, the... Sometimes, let me tell you, sometimes when I'm, when I'm traveling out of state, my wife will walk me to the garage. I will get into the car. And then she will wave and I will tell her, okay, I'll see you, baby. I'm out. And I will drive out. I'm heading to the airport or something. The moment I drive out, the garage door is getting down. Give it two minutes. My phone is ringing. And she's calling me already. And we will talk all through till I get to the airport. And I will, you know, just like that. So the frequency is not an issue because of the relationship. What's your relationship with the Lord? The better your relationship with Jesus, the better your, your, the frequency of your prayer. Everyone wants to be in touch with a friend they love so much. I'm giving you the story of my life with that of my wife. I know that most of you out there, you can relate because you have the same story with those that you care about. You're always on the phone with them. You're always chatting with them. The frequency is a function of your relationship. So why don't you for now go ahead and just focus more on how to build this relationship with Jesus. And lastly, in areas of the direction, we're talking about the location. Talking about the location. You know, the Bible said that Jesus will go to a certain location. Jesus liked to isolate himself. The truth, the truth about location is that the best conversation that you can have in an intimate relationship is done in private. The things that me and my wife say together when we are in the room or when we are somewhere alone is different from what I would tell my wife when I'm in the gathering with everybody around. So location also speaks to intimacy and the level of relationship that you have with Jesus. Now, I've heard people say, I can, I can speak to the Lord in the marketplace. I can speak in, I can be walking inside Walmart and be talking to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. I don't know if you're connecting with Jesus. That's fine. But there's just something about location. Personally, I have a particular session in the house that when I go there, I just feel like, it's, it's almost like a meeting place. It's like Jesus is waiting for me there before I got there. It gives me that awesome feeling of his presence once I'm in that place. That's just the psychology of location. You know, we, have, we, we usually um, we, we realize that almost every evening when we do family prayer or family devotional um, except if we are done the devotional somewhere maybe in the living room downstairs and we pray after the devotional. But most of the time when we pray before the kids go to bed there's a particular place in the room uh, on, on a particular patient rug that we always like to pray. And as I asked, last night when we were praying, I was still telling my kids that this has become the family praying spot. Location does something to relationship when you want to say intimate things. Praise the Lord. I just want to dive straight into the digressions of prayers. Um, as we 
as we study, as we learn about things that we need to do for us to have an effective prayer life as Christians, I want us to avoid these three things that the Bible talked about. If we look at James 4, um, verse 3, James 4, verse 3, one of the first things, um, according to James, is he said, and even when you ask, you do not get because your motives are wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You know, so a lot of time, we pray amiss. We pray in wrong order, in, in wrong motive. And that's why a lot of prayers are not answered. These are things that brings digression to our prayers. These are things that makes our prayer of no effect. You know, I usually say this, that prayers that get to heaven starts from heaven. I love the scripture that says, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The most effective prayers are prayers that originated from heaven. Prayers in the will of God. So the prayer that you're praying every day, and you are wondering, why has God not answered me? Why has God not come true for me? Is it his will for you? Is it the will of God? There are certain prayers I prayed in the past that I'm so thankful that they didn't come to pass. Because I would have been finished. God's will in our prayers is the most effective way. I mean, his, his will is that you'll be in good health. So when you are sick, why not pray to him? That's a prayer that starts in a prayer that gets to heaven starts from heaven. We need never to forget that. I love 1 John 4, verse, 1 John 5, verse 14 says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. You know, some version will say anything that is prayed according to his will. What's the will of God concerning that prayer life or that prayer? Amen. The Bible also warned us in Matthew 6, 7 to 8 about what we call the prayer, prayer of babbling and can't kind of prayers. I, I, I'm sure most of you saw this while you were growing up as Christians. I, I saw a lot of that. You know, when you, when you pray in repetition, like, it's like you are, you are rapping to the Lord. Father, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Lord, you have to do it, you have to do it, you have to do it. What does that even mean? You know? I say the devil must die now, die now, die now, die now, die now, die now. You know, we do all these things and it's scriptural. You know, let me, let me, let me actually take you to that scripture. It says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly. On the street corner and in the synagogue where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. So, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray in your private place. Then your father sees everything with the word. Now listen to verse 7. He said, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Repeating their words again and again. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. You don't need that. A long time ago, my relationship with my kids gave me, I don't know, I think the Holy Spirit just pressed that upon my heart. The relationship I have with my kids kind of opened my eyes to 
Imagine the relationship that, that I have with my father in heaven. I mean, imagine my kids coming to me and praying in that manner. I'm going to simply say, stop. What do you want? God wants us. As we, as we learn the discipline of prayers, avoid praying heart of order with wrong motive. Avoid those canned prayers. You know what I mean, canned prayer? Prayers that are canned, that, you know, like Jesus gave a flow, what I would call a template of prayer when he said, our Father who art in heaven. And, and now, every day you put your knees on the ground, that's how you pray. That's a canned prayer. And I'm not here to say that God doesn't listen to that prayer. Um, but as we're learning and as we're growing, we need to understand that prayers are so much more than us repeating certain phrases and certain words over and over again. And the last on that list is praying in selfishness. You know, not prioritizing God's priority. It's common with us. Our prayers that doesn't bring God glory, that is not a prayer that affects the body of, of, of God, of Christ on earth. The prayer that, is, that doesn't pertain to the things that God cares about. When was the last time that you prayed for lost souls? I know some of us are praying to get a new job, to, to be hired, to, to get promoted in our place of work. How many times do you put your knees on ground and just pray concerning other things that matters in the life of other people. When last did you take yourself out of the picture of your prayer to remember other people that are hurting or that are in trouble? These are some of the things that we need to put into our discipline of prayers. Like I said, I have learned so much about communication and relationship through my children. You know, there is a particular one that will come to us and he will make requests on behalf of the others and forget about himself. He has that, he's ready to let go of his own problem. And just, so sometimes when I think about him and I just think, can you imagine how impressed God would be if every time I go before him, and most times I go before him, I just go before him with the demand of other people. Praying for my brethren, praying for my neighbors. When last did you pray for your community? When last did you stand in the gap and say, because I live in this estate or because I live in this environment, every day I will lift, this, lift up marriages, I will lift up children in this environment. These are the disciplines of prayer. These are the prayers that moves the heart of God. And that's why it's important that we don't pray selfishly. And these are one of the things that make people like Moses great. You know, Moses will put aside himself and say, God, just forgive these people. He, at a point, he said, you know what, God, just deal with these people kindly and let me take the punishment. Moses, no wonder he was one of God's best. Daniel did the same thing. Daniel prayed for the restoration of Jerusalem. He prayed for the rebuilding of the temple. He prayed for the return of the temple. Daniel, most of Daniel's prayer was all about the nation, all about the community. There's hardly a time you see Daniel praying for himself. 
Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for yourself. But you see, one of the things, especially when you talk about the duration of prayer, one of the reasons why a lot of time we don't have much to pray about is because we're just thinking about ourselves. If I start to pick some names of people in church that I know that are struggling, I'm telling you, I'm going to be on my knees for one hour and I will still not be done because I know quite a number of people. When last did you make a list? When last did you make a list of people that you need to lift before the Lord? And you are planning and you are, you are, you are looking towards the next morning. Ah, tomorrow morning, in my meeting, in my appointment with Jesus by 5 a.m., I'm going to put this brother's name out there. I'm going to just cry to the Lord for this brother. When last did you do that? These are some of the disciplines of prayers. Not praying selfishly. I'm going to bring this teaching to a close. I'm going to tell you two elements of great and effective prayer lives. And one is the word of God. And the other is the spirit of God. As we embark on this journey of spiritual discipline and as you begin to engage your mind on how my prayers can be effective, I need you to keep down these two things. They're very important. Don't lose it. You might lose every other thing that I've said today, but don't lose it. Two elements of an effective prayer is God's word and the spirit of God. You see, the word of God connects you to the will of God. So when you pray his words, when you pray his will, it connects you. And that's why, like I said, the prayer that gets to heaven starts from heaven. If God has said it, he's faithful and able to keep it. And the other is the spirit of God. You see, the spirit of God is that thing that will help you even when you cannot pray. Even when you are too weak, when you are too broken, when you are too, um, 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 too, too heavy in your heart. To cry unto the Lord. How many of you have ever been on your knees and you just cannot open your mouth? The only thing that comes up, comes out in you is just tears in your face because you are overwhelmed by your trouble. The Holy Spirit kicks in and begins to connect you to heaven and begins to put those things that are hurting, those things that are causing you to be broken. The Holy Spirit begins to bring it up to the attention of God. If you must have an effective prayer life, these two, they are very important. Never joke with them. Be a good student of the world. Know exactly the things that God has laid down concerning your life. And be a friend of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read as I close to, from the book of Proverbs 15 verse 29. Proverbs 15 verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. I read that again. The Lord is far from the, from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. By ourselves, we are nothing. We are filthy. We are not even qualified. You know what? Can you imagine the qualification to be a friend of God? Now, people that are distanced from me, they have a way they can talk to me. Some people can just see me in church every Sunday because they feel they don't feel too close enough to me and they will say, Pastor, are you high? Pastor, are you high? And, and, and so on and so forth. 
But those that are really, really close, that have already gotten into deeper relationship with me, they will pull me aside in a corner and will begin to talk more intimate. Your prayer life can never be effective if you do not have a relationship with Jesus. Remember the scripture. It says the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Those that are in right standing with God. And the only way you can be in right standing with God is to have a relationship with God through Jesus. So this is an altar call. If you know you have not accepted Jesus in your life, I'm giving you an invitation. Come unto the altar of mercy. His hands are open, wide open, waiting to receive you. He's done it all. Everything that could be a barrier between you and Jesus, Jesus finished it on the cross of Calvary. Forgiveness is part of the resurrection package. So I just want to encourage you, connect with the Lord. And that will be the beginning of your journey to effective prayer lives. And so, Father Lord, we just want to thank you. We'll bless you because you are faithful, because you are dependable, because you are trustworthy. What a privilege to call you friend. What a privilege to hear you call us your friend. Father Lord, all that we are looking for, all that we are hungry for is that opportunity and that privilege to be able to connect deeper with you, to be able to communicate better with you in prayers. Thank you, Lord, because we know that when we pray, we do not pray to inform you. We pray to invite you into our situation because there's nothing you do not know. Thank you for the knowledge that has been acquired today. Thank you because our prayer life will never be the same again. Thank you for the potency of your word. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit to help us in our prayer lives. And for those that are just making it, that are making the decision for the first time, thank you, Lord, for, for, for receiving them into the kingdom. Thank you for receiving them into a fresh relationship. Well, thank you because their lives will never be the same again. And we pray, Lord, for everyone out there who is hurting right now, who is going through different situations in their life. We have that the Spirit of the Lord will begin to visit everyone at the points of their needs in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you because you are faithful. We commit to serve you forever with our lives. Glory be to your name, our Father. In Jesus' most precious name we pray.